Welcome to the FinTech Today podcast with your host, Carlos Cabrera, where everything is unfolded from FinTech news, personalities, and stories just for you. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Carlos Cabrera for FinTech Today. I'm very excited about uh, our uh, guest today. Uh, He is very well known. His name is Frank Cabrera. He's the head of content at a small exchange. He's been uh, at the Small Exchange for over two years, and also he's a content producer at um, Tasty Trade, and uh, he is he has experience as futures trader in uh, at the CBOE. He was at it for over a year, and he holds a bachelor from the University of Michigan in uh, mathematics and risk management. Welcome, Frank. So excited to have you. Carlos, I'm so excited to be here, my friend. This is going to be an absolute ball today. We're going to have a bunch of fun talking about futures, options, other derivatives in the space, what the small exchange is offering, this young uh, upstart uh, futures exchange that launched about a year ago, competing with the CME and everybody else. We're going to have a ton of fun talking about the products, that battle with larger other exchanges, and maybe a little bit about myself, I guess, to start. Yeah, I came out of school having studied mathematics, went straight to the Chicago Board of Trade. I uh, prop traded at night, US interest rates, the futures, the cash products, the spreads between all of those uh, euro dollars, treasuries, so many different things. And I had enough of it, Carlos, after a year. I was uh, I was done uh, waking up at, at two in the afternoon and going to bed at seven in the morning was not for me trading Asia and Europe. So I jumped on over to Tasty Trade, started writing a bunch of futures and options content for Tom Sosnoff, Tony Batista, and the main Tasty Trade live show there in the morning. And since then, I've cultivated my own personality as the, the futures guy among a bunch of options uh, men and women there at Tasty Trade and uh, jumped on the this uh, really exciting new project, the Small Exchange, which is now actually as of, uh, I believe it was maybe last month or the month before, has been trading futures con- contracts in the space for uh, over a year. We just hit our millionth contract traded uh, a couple months ago. So we're really excited here and we'll uh, dig into it, I'm sure, uh, as, as we progress through what's about to be an amazing episode of FinTech today. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, one of the things that I find when I talk to anyone about futures and options is that I would say that for our listeners and for people to get to know more about the small exchange, what do you, in your view, how would you define the difference between futures and options so that, you know, we can all learn from that and and start clear? (laughs) I I think it's a great spot to kick the ball off rolling here today because it's a funny thing to me. I, you know, like I say, I came out of school trading futures and I had to read a lot of white papers and a lot of like just really boring stuff on the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange's website. Uh, that's the, the CME, very popular futures exchange for the last several decades. Um, and not a lot of stuff, content that is focused for the everyday person. Like I was, you know, a professional trader trading for a proprietary trading group at the Chicago Board of Trade every night. And even I was having difficulty understanding this futures stuff. And I've obviously through the past, you know, five or six years being in the space have have got a good handle on it. But what's funny, Carlos, is that so many people 
understand options, calls and puts, strangles, iron condors, all this different stuff. And that stuff in my mind now is so much more complex than futures. Options and futures, they're, they're kind of like brother and sister in the derivative space whereby you know, you've know you got stock shares, you've got ETF shares, you've got cash, uh, crude oil, cash foreign exchange, and all this other stuff. Options and futures are, like I say, siblings in the space. And futures, in my mind at least, is like the simpler sibling. You know, not to say the you know the 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 worse or better one, but it's just it's simpler. If you if you think the thing's going to go up, you buy it. If you think it's going lower, you sell it. And I I don't know what it is that trips people up, and and myself included. Like I say, it took me months and months to understand you know what futures really were and feel comfortable in that world. But if you can understand, you know, stock is at a hundred and I sell the 105 call, and I know what I want to happen in the market, man, once futures click with you, it's going to be a, a, a real easy thing uh, to pick up. Because yeah, like I say, it's like, uh, it, it's, it's essentially the, the simpler, in, simpler uh, version of options in this derivative space, whereby you really have two outcomes, which is buy or sell, and then the thing goes up or down, uh, hopefully in your favor. That's yeah. That's uh, that's a good rationale. And and usually, what the, the the typical concern or comment that people make when I, I you know, when I address the the futures and um, people's opinions about it, is that the the leverage. So say, yeah. what do you think is the average leverage? Uh, of a standard SPY futures contract or, or any of the main ones? So uh, let's, I guess, I'll start from the beginning on this in terms of leverage, and we'll kind of ease our way into that idea. So, so one of the greatest pros of futures, but also has gotten a negative connotation over the years with this idea of leverage and added risk, uh, one of those greatest pros is when you buy a futures contract, say on the S&P 500 or on corn or some commodity, crude oil, whatever, you are in theory buying the right to buy that thing at a future date. So you have the exposure to that S&P 500, but you don't have to put forth all of the money to actually own those 500 stocks here today. Now, with that idea in mind, you are afforded a great amount of just lower cost and, and cost-effective uh, capital usage with these futures contracts. The S&P 500 example, uh, looking into that, right now, you have to post around 10% of the S&P 500's worth to buy those 500 stocks. Now it fluctuates. And that, that's by the way, called the margin that you have to post or the buying power I know is another term that is, uh, be, has become ubiquitous across the space. Um, and so essentially, if I wanna buy the S&P 500 ETF, you know, I, I wanna buy some shares of it and say I wanna buy $1,000 worth of the S&P 500 ETF, I have to put up 
50% or 100% of that value, which would be 500 bucks or $1,000. And, and you know, a lot of places it is 100%, which kind of makes sense. It's like, if I want to own a share of Apple, then I need to buy that whole share of Apple. What's nice about futures is you can buy, you can buy the futures contract on those shares on that stock index. And you have the exposure of say that thousand dollars worth of the S&P 500, but I only have to put up a hundred bucks, which is a great tool for small investors, small traders. Cause now you can say, okay, maybe I only had a thousand dollars. I only have to put up a hundred to get a thousand in equity exposure. I can go diversify and hedge in other spaces now with the $900 that's in my account. Now, Carlos, the negative connotation rightfully comes from the last, you know, 20, 30 years of everyday people starting to become comfortable in the derivative space, but using these institutional products like the S the E-mini S&P 500, for instance, that's a product that's over $200,000. Okay. And so when that thing moves, even if you have enough money to post the margin for that, which is, you know, via the math that we just did about $20,000, that thing is going to move a lot on a daily basis. And that amount, that it's not the amount of leverage because it's it's the same from if the product's $200,000 or $20,000 or $2,000, you're going to post the same rate. But when you're trading a product that's that large and it starts to move a little bit, that leverage really swings your account. And that's when people get too highly levered and, and problems arise, especially also in the crude oil market is another similar one where that thing can really move. And if I, I you know, don't understand that this is a product that is 10 times what I'm posting to trade it, then I, I can really feel uncomfortable uh, real quick. But we always, always talk to people about you know, taking that, those savings from, you know, in that example, I've got $900 on my hands. I'm not going to go out there and buy nine more futures on stocks. What I'm going to go in and do is maybe sell a call here or, or buy some bonds, uh, something that is, you know, inversely correlated and, and can give me some diversification or some gold or something else. And uh, just give yourself more tools for diversification and future growth, as opposed to, you know, having to put up that hundred bucks. Oh, now I'm just going to do it 10 times. Exactly. So it, it's all about uh, balance and uh, definitely uh, touching upon the leverage side. It, it's very important because uh, getting those margin calls is, it's, it's, it's not a fun place to be. <laughs> it's the, it's one of the worst places as someone who's been in that situation uh, a lot. It's one of the worst places to be. And, you know, we always talk about the best way to learn with all this stuff is to not read those long white papers that I, I, like I said, I read several times to get anything uh, remotely down in my head about futures. The best way to learn often is going in there and buying and selling a future. Or the first time you traded, you know, options or anything like that, it's like, oh, I, I went to this like really cheap call spread or put spread. I bought it, felt felt what it felt like to have it in my account, and then I got rid of it for a dollar or two. Uh, loser. Now the problem becomes, Carlos, when you do that with those e-mini S and P's or those crude oil futures or the gold futures that are also, uh, you know, close to two hundred thousand dollars in size. 
you can't test that out. You can't learn with something that moves hundreds of dollars every second. Um, so, so yeah, to me, the learning process with this stuff is like any other product that's out there, but futures do get a bad rep because those historically, uh, you know, large futures products that, I mean, it's not to shame the CME or, or ICE or any of these other exchanges. They created those products for large institutions. But what's been really nice in the last couple of years here is people get more comfortable with options and with just the idea of managing their own money. They want that uh, cost effectiveness. They want that futures access in their account. But when you try to do that with these products that were made for banks and big farming companies to hedge uh, their you know, billions of dollars on the books there, um, it's, it's going to be an uncomfortable situation real quick. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of times, do you think that the game has changed in terms of... of, of um... You know, when, when people talk about uh, futures, I would say that a lot of times they, they are concerned about the, the uh, standard contract time and, um, and the returns. Is there like a, the, the, what, is, what is the standard contract time for someone that's getting started into futures? Um, you know that in options, for instance, you go 60 days out, you could go 120 days out. So how, how can someone that's, that, say, that has, say, five years of, of experience in, in futures or, or regular um, equities, uh, when they get started, what is your advice in terms of, of, um, of you know, the timing they should um, deploy? Sure. So, so, yeah, this is, uh, once again, and, and uh, this will become a, a common theme, hopefully, this is... Uh, a relatively simple answer. Like the, your brokerage, first of all, when you search any future, if you search, you know, ES, the, the E-mini S&P, they're going to almost always, always, always send you straight to what's called the active contract. You always want to be trading what's, what's determined as the active contract or the active month. And now what deems that? Oh, oh, I mean, there are futures that uh, the next expiration is December. You know, that's months uh, down the line. There, there are futures that the next uh, expiration is, September, is this week. Uh, you know, how do I determine which is the active and which isn't if my brokerage isn't sending me there or just, you know, for your own knowledge, what is the active month? And here's the simple thing. Here's what's really nice about it. It's the one with the most volume. You want to be trading the futures contract that has the most volume. It's similar when you open up a trade page for options um, and you see you know, a, a bunch of beautiful strikes in the expiration that you've opened there. Uh, and you see you know, 90% of them have traded four, five, six contracts, but you see those big round numbers like 100, 105, 110. Those have traded, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. It's the same with futures where it's like, man, I don't want to be getting in and out of the futures contracts that have, you know, five to 10 in volume and are, you know, 10 ticks wide. I want to be in the one that's got a few hundred, a few thousand in volume and are one or two ticks wide. And you can find that, like I say, pretty 
uh, quickly there if your brokerage doesn't send you immediately there. What's really nice, Carlos, about uh, these platforms and these brokerages, one, they're really smart. Two, they really want you to engage with products. And so they'll hopefully send you straight to where you should be headed as long as you, you know, like uh, I know for Tastyworks, that's a popular active trading uh, platform. Uh, it's the forward slash. So it'd be forward slash ES, and then it'll fill in the month code that you want to go to that would be deemed the active month. Or for a small exchange product like our small stock market, forward slash SM75, it'll fill out the rest and send you where you need to be. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a good question with like days to expiration. Where should I be uh, in terms of that? I would say the only thing to worry about relative to days like I say, most of the time it's going to be like, just go where the greatest volume is, where the tightest bid offer is. Because, um, you know, some of these like, uh, like Euro dollars, for instance, they have expirations going out the next decade, four times a year for the next decade. Could you imagine being new and trying to figure out what the heck to do with that? Um, but the only thing I'll say with days to expiration, you don't want to be in a futures contract that has you know, two or three or four days to expiration. And that's leading to when you want to roll that thing to uh, the next month. Because a lot of people, futures, Carlos, primarily for, you know, the active trader, the day trader, someone who wants to channel that uh, cost efficiency, that that leverage uh, for better or worse into, you know, making money in the next five minutes, the next 10 minutes, the next couple of hours. But a lot of people have found uh, great success in investing in these futures too. And that's when the role comes in. So hopefully if you're trading actively, you don't have to deal with role. You usually don't have to deal with expiration because you just go, you know, it's Tuesday afternoon, crude oil's moving. I type in crude oil and it brings me straight to the active month and I'm in and out hopefully in the next uh, couple of hours here. But yeah, for those of you using uh, futures to invest just with greater cost effectiveness and, and creating greater potential returns in the future, um, you want to make sure you roll that thing with a, a, at worst one or two days to expiration. Awesome. That's, that's uh, definitely useful. And uh, I know that when people talk about futures, I'm sure that our listeners, one of the things they want to know is, is are there returns? You know, a lot of people talk about you know, huge returns. Some of them are also <laughs> concerned about the risks. So what's in your experience? What, what should be the, the, the logical uh, expectation between when someone goes into the futures? Um, are, should they expect returns of say 10%, 50%, 200%? <laughs> um, so, so this is a, a great question. I'm glad that you posed it the way that you did. I feel, Carlos, like we're really starting to break the ice here because all, I want you to ask me anything about futures that like are the everyday trader, the new person to futures, like what are your qualms? Like what are the things that you're kind of worried about getting into this space? Because at the small exchange, especially, we have absolutely nothing to one hide. We make products that our smallest product, Carlos, is a total size of $200. Like 
you'd have to have a really small account for that thing to to blow you out. We want we want to create, you know, a customer base that it, that is totally comfortable and is not taking on too much uh, leverage. But then on the flip side of that coin, we are the last people who are going to, you know, post a YouTube video that says, here's how we made, you know, $5,000 in 10 minutes. It's ridiculous. It's not... Uh, it's it's not sustainable and that same person probably dumped 10 grand the next week like it it's absolutely ridiculous to kind of think like that now i can absolutely give you realistic uh expectations based on the math behind margining in futures so let's have a little bit and and stop me when i've gone too far because i will definitely oh. go yeah, be ready to stop me because I will go too far with some of this uh, math here. Um, but essentially, the margin that you put up on any product is going to be an extremely uh, competitive number that essentially tells you how much the product moves. So what'll happen is if you're trading stock indexes right now, uh, given volatility in the stock market, it's not very high. Um, the margin rate for a stock product that's 10 bucks, a stock product that's 10,000 bucks is around eight to 10%. Okay. And so if stocks really start to move, like when the pandemic kicked in, in February, March of last year, and stocks slid 20, 30%, some of those stock indices, um, margin rates went up, right? It's, it's a function of volatility there. And um, now when you're trading something like crude oil, or you're trading Bitcoin futures new in the space, um, those margin rates are going to be higher. You know, that crude oil is a market right now around $70. In the last month, it has risen by more than 10% and fallen by 10%. And so that's a lot more movement than stocks. Your margin rate in crude oil right now is going to be, you know, 15 to 20%. You go to the other side of the... And, also, Bitcoin futures, I think it's actually at 50% or even greater. I don't even know if you get leverage given how much that space moves. You go in the other direction. You go to foreign exchange products, Carlos, like our US dollar at the small exchange. The margin you put up is actually 1% of that product size just because foreign exchange doesn't move that much, man. And so what you're going to get is dynamic margin rates. But what I found in my research um, a ton of data points across a lot of asset classes, metals, uh, energy, uh, equity indices, interest rates, and foreign exchange. What I found, Carlos, is that on a daily basis, the way that these margins are calculated, the product is likely to move, give or take, about 20% of that margin rate. So what I can kind of do with back of the envelope math is say to myself, okay, if this product is requiring that I post, um, I, I mean, a, a pretty standard future at the small exchange is a product that's a couple thousand dollars that requires that you put up like a couple hundred dollars in margin. So say I have to put up $300 in margin. What would be a really realistic uh, return on that given day would be 10% given that the market is going to move probably 20% of that margin. So if I put up $300 with that 20% number, I know this market is likely to move today about $60. Okay. That's 20% of my margin. And so what can I realistically clip from that movement in a day? Probably, you know, 
a quarter or half of that. So I could potentially return five to 10% trading intraday. Now, of course, that margin is a great, great, great uh, 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 number to keep in mind for how much that market is likely to move between now and expiration. So if I'm holding for multiple days, or maybe I'm holding toward expiration or at least up to that, and maybe I'll even roll and hold longer if I need to, then that's when returns get closer to probably the potential for a hundred percent return and the potential to lose that $300 if it goes against you in that uh, example given. I mean, does, does that now, of course, the, the, the sensationalist um, articles that you'll read or YouTube videos that you'll watch will be like, oh, I made 5,000%. Now, yes, that can happen. Of course, it can go against you in that way as well. Um, but that would essentially be, Carlos, like like that, uh, the start of the pandemic there, when, when stocks in certain days dropped 10%, if I have to you know, post to, to sell a stock index, you know, less than 10%, then I could theoretically on that day have made more than a hundred percent just trading intraday. So of course those outliers exist. You do have the potential to make or lose greater than a hundred percent when you're trading futures. But when you're day trading and you're getting the feel of things, especially with small exchange products, it's a matter of like, oh, I can make 50 bucks and that's a nice like 10%, 20% return uh, relative to the money I posted. That's very true. I was just uh, going to actually go over that. I mean, 5% intraday, what you're suggesting, 5 to 10%. That's a very good return compared to what someone can get out there um, on, um, say, if they just leave their money, uh, say, at a, in a savings account or money market account. So Absolutely. And, and, you know, another, another thing toward that point is like, we, there are so many, I, I love to see this community grow and I've, I've loved to be a part of it the last five years of just like everyday people, not just buying and selling shares of stock, you know, not just because of course the easiest thing you could do is download Robin and not to say it's a, it's a negative thing. It's a great first step. It's a great first step, which is you download Robinhood or something else and you just park your cash into SPY shares or right. whatever. It is the first thing I tell anyone who wants to get into this, you know, that's the first step. And then once you kind of catch the bug and yearn for something more active, you get into that option space. And then the next step is kind of this futures because what stinks about options is like you do get some of that leverage, you know, when you're selling calls or you're buying puts and everything else, but you have pattern day trading rules that keep me from, you know, taking uh, winners, taking gains or losses on something that's really moving around um, in the stock market. Or maybe I wanted to trade the non-farm payrolls or the FOMC event, and I wanted to open a position going into it and close it afterwards. I'm going to get dinged for that uh, that pattern day trading. There, you right. don't get that with futures. It's actually you get afforded greater leverage and less margin if you put on a position and take it off intraday. Um, it's they actually promote that, which is a good thing, I think, because you're reducing risk, right? Like that, that's my whole thing uh, with trading futures and, and looking for, you know, those three, four, five to 10% returns intraday. It's a new type of trade. 
And it also promotes not having to take risk going into uh, the night when you go to sleep, when you go eat, when you finally turn off your screens. And uh, the futures margining knows that. It's so smart that it will actually give you an even smaller rate to trade stuff uh, intraday. So it's it's definitely kind of that next step beyond options, but a lot of advantages, um, both return-wise and, like I say, with regulations on pattern day trading or, or trying to sell hard-to-borrow stocks. You have no problem with that. The same margin to buy and sell every single market in futures. That's a great point. Um, and I, I would say that for the active trader, that's one of the things that... Um, it's it's um, it's a main difference between say the, the futures market trading using say a small exchange and um, using just doing regular trading at say Robinhood like you said it's, uh, yeah. it's very different in terms of the pattern day trading and do you do you feel that this uh, pandemic environment that we are I hope uh, almost done with. Uh, has changed the futures market? Has it affected uh, in some ways? The yeah, I, I absolutely would say so. And it's it's one of those things that has not only affected futures but affected the industry at large. Um, I I agree with you. Of obviously, I don't know who wouldn't agree. Like I hope that we are nearing the end of this thing and. I know, thankfully, with vaccinations and everything, we've been able to get more comfortable and start to do things again. But what's been, uh, I mean, fortunately for our company, but unfortunately for so many, so I hate to even kind of reference it, but like everybody was stuck at home, Carlos. Mm -hmm. And when people were stuck at home and the market was moving, a lot of people were like, hey, I'm going to look into this thing. And so brokerages had record account openings, of, of course. So it just and, and it makes sense, right? Like people who are, you know, sheltering in place and and you know, you can't go out to dinner, do any of these things, you have if thankfully uh, if if your you know work is still able to make it through the pandemic, you have these paychecks coming in, you're not spending on all these different things. And it's like, man, I'm I I just finished my work. What should I do? Oh, I have to sit here. I've already watched everything on Hulu and Netflix. Let me look into this trading thing. Everybody's talking about, you know, the stock market sinking here. Bitcoin is moving around. Let me let me figure this out. And so there was just a a general broad push by a lot of people to, you know, open accounts at different brokerages, try to give their take on investing. And thus, that bleeds over into the derivative space. A lot of people in the last uh, year, year and a half have become acquainted with options. They've taught themselves it or they've learned it using great resources like um, Tasty Trade and everything else. And the small exchange, um, <laughs> we launched right after the pandemic kicked in, which, uh, which was not necessarily advantageous to be separate uh, when you're trying to launch a futures exchange. But the nice silver lining for us was that a lot of people were looking for futures content, futures education. How can I do this thing here uh, that we're talking about right now, Carlos, which is like day trading. I can't really do it with stock shares. And if I do do it with stock shares, I'd be lucky to make half a percent given all the money that I have to put up there. That's not exciting or, or really making it worth my while to get active. And so there, it was nice to have that active 
that push towards more active trading. But what we found and why I think it takes people, it's taking people so long to go from stocks and ETFs to futures, they're even more likely to go to options is because these old futures exchange exchanges have never cared about the random person who's sitting around during the pandemic who's got you know five thousand dollars to trade or ten thousand or even less a couple a couple thousand bucks a couple hundred um, it's not worth their while and and so they the education isn't out there like I spoke to at the beginning like you have to go read these white papers that were made for professionals at banks or at you know, production sites for agricultural firms and all this other stuff. It doesn't make sense to, you know, Frank's here in Chicago or, or anyone else, you know, hanging around on the East Coast, West Coast, or anywhere on the planet uh, who's, who's trying to figure out this futures thing so that they can get active and, and make day trades and profit from short-term action. And so what the small exchanges really work to do, um, and hey, I mean, we're even uh, doing it as as soon as uh, I believe it's uh, September 20, uh, 22nd. We're hosting you know a loot YouTube live stream, uh, futures trading for beginners. We're creating a ton of stuff at the small exchange website that's just like free educational stuff, bringing people on board to understanding futures. Because honestly, like the options trading world and the stock and options brokerages they went miles during this pandemic um, just because all of the infrastructure was built. Tasty Trade was started a decade ago, Carlos, and they absolutely lifted off in the last two years because they had all of this content, all of this education built ready for people to be like, oh yeah, now I'll look into options. And then boom, it takes off. But futures have just not been there. And what's really exciting is that not only is a small exchange you know, created for this everyday person to have a better experience with futures, get uh, better educated on what these futures have to offer before making their first trade. We've pushed significantly, we've pushed the CME and some of these other exchanges as well. You know, it's, it's funny, uh, we launched recently a, a small crude oil product because crude oil is one of those that I keep referencing because the traditional products way too big for you and me. Like right. Right. these things move three, $4,000 on a daily basis. The day that we launched our product that is a 10th the size and moves just about a hundred dollars on a given day, Carlos, CME announces they're launching a smaller product on crude oil, which like, of course you'd be like, oh man, like they're, they're a big company. They're going to wipe you out. We love to see it just because that means that these people are hearing us as a company and general traders and investors in the space who are saying, hey, man, like we want to use these futures that have always been excluded to us for institutions. And so they've been, they came out with just a month ago interest rate products that are, I kid you not, the ex, they look exactly the same as the futures on interest rates that we launched back in December, man. So it's, it's really exciting because this, this push, if it happened five years ago or so, the pandemic, what you would have really seen futures t- trading taken off uh, as options trading and everything else did. Uh, but we, we still love to see this push. Uh, occurring uh, late though it may be. 
It makes perfect sense because when people have more time in their hands, they uh, deep dive into into um, into their finances. Their it could be sports as well, but definitely that has been a a, um, a big movement. And uh, I have learned quite a bit personally. So I agree one hundred percent with you uh, that people, when they have extra time, they they usually tend to look at uh, options to and how to make uh, uh, better returns and better the, um, the portfolio allocation they may have. So um, yeah, that's, that's great. And what would you make of this? Uh, there's a lot of talk about the US uh, infrastructure um, bill. And um, I know that we went over the crude oil um, futures and you mentioned them. What what uh, what's your expectation in terms of how that will affect the futures market, if so, in any way? So so this is an, a a really interesting question, and um, it's one that people might be maybe let down by my answer because it's it's going to be it's going to be very simple at the end of the day. So so futures, when you think about them, they allow you to trade today the future price of an asset like crude oil. So the idea there is like crude oil is trading right now, what the actual price is and what that price is going to mean for gas that you go uh, put in your car at the, uh, although some cars, I don't know if you heard about this, Carlos, they don't take gas anymore. But anyways, for, oh, the, <laughs> for the sake of this uh, analogy here, um, you have that crude oil price that's called spot or cash. Okay. And so when these bills pass or they don't pass or stuff is going on in the government or you know those those tragic awful storms that hit in Louisiana and on the East Coast. When that stuff happens, the spot crude oil market moves around. It's very volatile because it's kind of like it's you're trading today what's happening today. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're looking at the futures on these, you're trading crude oil in October. You're trading crude oil in it's today September. You're trading it for December. You're trading it for. September of next year. Okay. And so when stuff happens in the short term, stuff that's maybe ephemeral, um, it's going to affect those futures less and less. And so what that means is those futures are very, very efficient and good at pricing in this stuff as it happens. And you'll see the effect there. So like maybe, uh, you know, the, the storm hits uh, a week or two weeks ago and the spot crude oil market is up, you know, 5% because they're saying, oh, there's going to be less supply. They're going to have to shut down all these pipelines and everything else. The futures for September and October and so on are going to be up but to lesser extent, because they're anticipating this is short-term volatility, and this isn't going to really structurally change anything. Now, your infrastructure question is a, a little bit more intriguing, just because that should structurally change stuff for the foreseeable future. Um, but what I would say is when a bill gets passed, when a news item comes up, anything like that, you'll see the reaction in futures. But there are so many people, institutional and otherwise, in those markets efficiently pricing what crude oil will look like in October or in November, December, or, or on into next year, that those effects tend to be very short-term and very small relative to like when the pandemic breaks out and it's like, oh man, like 
there's going to be just a big shift in industrial companies and, and nobody's going to be on the road and, and all nobody's going to be flying anywhere. So jet fuel is going to, you know, is not going to be used as much crude oil really sinks in the futures and everything, because it's like, this is going to happen for the next several months. Um, whereas, you know, I, I'm sure if you had looked at it, the futures expiring for crude oil in 2022 back in March of 2020 probably didn't get hit nearly as much. So this is all to say that like these things are very efficiently priced in the futures, uh, but you have to keep in mind that you are trading a future date for whatever asset class. So unless the thing is going to really affect where crude oil or the stock market or anything else will be next month or the month after, um, you kind of you kind of move on from that stuff. And that's why a lot of futures traders, myself included, tend to kind of read the news to stay informed as just a human being who's part of a society. But those news items, I, I don't tend to go news to futures trading. You have a lot of futures traders who just merely look at the price action you know, who are merely just like, oh, that's a big move. I'm going to trade it. Um, just because they know that those news items, they tend not to really shift futures markets uh, for the foreseeable future. So like I say, maybe not the most fulfilling answer, but it's all to say it's it's kind of liberating in a sense, you know, whereas you might do research to, uh, you know, make your next stock trade or your next options trade or something like that. Futures, like I keep coming back to, more of a simpler game of just like, oh, crude oil is up $2 today. That's a big move. It usually only moves a dollar. I might sell that and look to make a couple of bucks on it coming back. Very, all strategies in futures usually rely on like either technical analysis, which I'm not a huge fan of, or just, uh, you know, price action type strategies that are just like, this is where this thing normally moves. And today it's moving outside of that. And I'm just going to try to trade it back and forth uh, around that range. And news doesn't, it's, it's, it's good for the weekend, man. That's when, that's when I, I, I cover my news. Well, that's, that's a good uh, takeaway for our listeners too, that in terms of futures, they should take a look at, at the price action more than, than, um, looking at the news and relating that, as you were saying, like a lot of times you do with uh, equities or um, options. So that, that's, that's great. That, that's a good point. And, and do you feel that, for instance, there's, there's a sector that right now moves more in tandem with, uh, with all this uh, health uh, stocks that are exploding, some of them, as you know, Moderna and so on. Um, what, what's your take on that? Uh, well, I love the question because this is one of the things that we actually did kind of get in front of here. We have, the, there aren't, there isn't a good stock index for this um, in the futures world, in those traditional futures. Because you asked the question, Carlos, because you're aware of the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones and the Russell, and none of those give you good exposure to that movement. Um, but we did create our own kind of play on technology or the NASDAQ, if you want to think about it that way, which is the small technology index and the futures on top of it. That thing is, you know, 
a quarter of information technology stocks, a quarter of media technology stocks, a quarter retail technology stocks like Amazon and everything else. But a quarter of it is biotech. And that index really took off as stocks started to bounce back from the pandemic because you saw both technology stocks and those biotech stocks, Moderna is actually the biggest weighting in this index right now because that stock has taken off so much that it's become a big chunk of the index. Um, and that thing really moves with uh, sentiment in uh, uh, COVID here because it, it's it's kind of, I mean, you can have whatever opinion on it, but this is just the, the way that it, it works. When COVID news comes out for the negative, you see some outperformance in some of these biotechs like Moderna and everything else. And some, even some of these technology stocks, cause like we just touched on, it's like, Oh, people are going to be at home more. They're going to need Amazon. They're going to need, uh, you know, Apple and, and Microsoft as opposed to, you know, like the, the other side of the spectrum, like American airlines getting killed because of COVID news coming out uh, for in the pessimistic view uh, there. But uh, I would say that's a good piece. And, and this is another thing that we're really trying to change. And we're seeing change among the other exchanges, which again, we love to see is greater diversity of products. You know, the, the CME has made a living on offering, they offer a lot of products, but like their top 10 products make their whole year. You know, and it is that S and P five hundred. It is that big crude oil, that big gold. What we want to do, I mean, we've already launched ten products, and and we want to try to launch something new every month here for people. And of course, there are going to be some misses, but there are going to be some pieces like that small technology that's like, you know, let's not make a copy of the Nasdaq. Let's give people biotech. That's becoming more relevant. Um, let's give people. Uh, you know, some of these media technology companies that maybe they're not household names, they're not Apple or whatever, but it's going to be a different exposure. And yeah, I mean, I've been watching just as recently as the last couple of days because Moderna makes new all-time, blows out the all-time highs last week and now is giving up a lot. And it's really pushing back and forth our small technology index. So that's a nice one to take a look at there. And if people say when they access, they go into the small change uh, website, they they can see, they can find these indices um, easily or the, are they prominent or is there yeah. a specific section so that our listeners know where to look for? Yeah, at smallexchange.com, you'll right there on the right side rail, you'll see all the products. Uh, if it's during the day, they'll be ticking live and everything. And, and you click any of them, small technology, the one that we're talking about, it'll give you some more price information, volume, open interest information. And then also um, it'll at the bottom there show you all the components. It's uh, 60 stocks. 15 each within those four little subsectors of technology. And it'll give you all the names and everything else that you'll need there. And then the next thing is you just need to go into your uh, platform. We're on a bunch of different brokerages, Tastyworks, Interactive Brokers, adding, uh, I think, TradingView and a bunch of others uh, in the near future here. You just find that symbol. Uh, it's sticks. It's forward slash STIX and Tastyworks. And IBKR, it's STIX. It's very simple there. Um, and buy or sell. It's as easy as that. 
Right, that's that's great. That's great to, for uh, our listeners to know that you know they can they have some tools that are there already for them to uh, guide themselves. So um, yeah, the 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 um, in terms of when when uh, you you mentioned that you have developed some indices and there's uh, the biotech and you said that uh, how many more have, do you guys have that mm -hmm. can help the listeners navigate this uh, futures world. I'm I'm glad that you asked because yeah the technology one that's you know stocks we've got our other broad based stock product which is just the small stocks which is it's got energies it's got financials it's got industrials and everything else uh, there and we also have uh, another equity product which is uh, small cannabis which is 21 pot stocks uh, they're the first uh, futures in the uh, the cannabis world there. Uh, so we're very, very excited about that one as well. But what really gets me going a lot of times is our non-stock products. Because what we decided to do, Carlos, is when we go into interest rates or we go into foreign exchange, how can we not only make something that's small and standard, all of our futures have a very simple 100 multiplier, just like 100 shares of stock. So if the price is $2, it's $200 product. If it's $10, it's a $1,000 product, just like trading options on a $2 stock, a $10 stock, a $100 stock, what have you. So small and standard essential. But when going into these different asset classes, we wanted to make everything as simple as possible. You know, I started out trading interest rates at the Chicago Board of Trade, and there's a lot of products and they're all extremely confusing and they took me so long to make and, or, or to, to understand and then make trades in. And the last thing I wanted to do at a startup like the small exchange is be like, oh yeah, let's make it that complex for everybody else. It makes no, no sense. Um, and so like for, in interest rates, for, for example, when you go in and you trade the US Treasury future, uh, the 10-year note, ZN, the 30-year bond, ZB, you get this price, this thing that's like over a hundred dollars, and it's it's got an apostrophe in there actually, and then it, it ticks in thirty seconds or half of thirty seconds or quarter of thirty seconds, and it's all extremely confusing. And guess what, Carlos? It doesn't have to be that way because when you read the Wall Street Journal or you jump on Twitter, everybody's talking about interest rates. Guess what? in terms of interest rates, in terms of yields, in terms of percentage. So what we did is we said, okay, well, if the 10-year rate is at 1.5% and the price that coincides with that in the treasury note and bond world is $130, guess what? I don't care about the $130. It's going to look like 1.5%. And so our product at 1.5%, it's just a $15 product. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's very simple and easy to understand there. And we also have the two-year, which has been very popular just because rates at zero, Carlos, that relates to a two-year rate at zero. And so you've got this product that's hovering around zero right now in that two-year that a lot of people are loving uh, to trade because it is so small. That's just a $200 product. And the margin on that I think it costs you right now $70 to trade. You'd be hard pressed to find any futures in existence right now with a margin under $100. It's a great starting place for people looking at uh, futures is that small two-year future, less than $100 in margin. But same goes for the other asset classes. Foreign exchange, 
There are some really awesome currency crosses. Like you can trade uh, the yen in terms of US dollar. You can trade the the Canadian dollar in terms of uh, US dollar. You can trade the euro in terms of yen. So much fun stuff. But when you're starting out, most people are just like, is the US dollar going up or is it going down? And so we just made a US dollar product. And what we did is we put it against you know, 12 currencies that we think make sense. The Chinese renminbi, the Mexican peso, the Canadian dollar, like uh, all these different currencies in one basket, one easy thing for just me as an individual to be like, I think the US dollar is going higher or I think it's going lower. Very simple as opposed to, you know, the traditional way is like, here's 20 currency crosses, figure out which one is, is, has the opportunity here today. Uh, same with metals. We basketed together gold, silver, and platinum into one thing. So you don't have to worry about the intricacies of like, is this going to be a gold rally or a silver rally? Uh, and, and have to, to distinguish between uh, them there. Simplicity, a big, big part of our, uh, our index creation so that it's easy for all of you out there to not just go from stocks to options and then futures or stocks to futures, but also go from stock markets to interest rate markets, to commodity markets, uh, to foreign exchange markets. And with that being said, I mean, in the next month, you'll start to see us rolling out crypto products as well. It's, it's a very, very exciting time. And we're, like I say, just trying to launch uh, both you know, simplified versions of old products and the first futures on a lot of new products as well, like cannabis and crypto. That's uh, that's really exciting, and uh, I am sure that a lot of people will follow it because the crypto is um, it's such a young market uh, still that mm-hmm. uh, you know it has so much growth in it. And do you ex- do you do you find that, for instance, say between the uh, the forex market and this upcoming crypto uh, product, do you do you find that there's in terms of the volatility is have you guys taken a look at how much volatility is is and i'm sure you have but is there any any sort of any any sort of relationship or differences between the uh, those two markets so here's what i'll tell you carlos i've not only done it for foreign exchange and cryptocurrency i've done it for gold and, and cryptocurrency stocks and cryptocurrency and what i found which is it's it's both exciting but also a little off-putting nothing's like cryptocurrency like absolutely nothing it's got currency in the name it's nothing like a currency market uh a lot of people are like oh it's like digital gold it's nothing like gold whatsoever it's you know 30 times as volatile as uh currency markets i mean volatility in something like the us dollar right now is like five, six, seven percent when you're looking at like a realized or implied volatility uh, there. Cryptocurrencies, it's it's easily over 50, probably closer to 100. Um, and you relate that to the stock market, which has a volatility right now of like 15%. Cryptocurrency is still blowing that out of the water. And then also from a directional standpoint, the thing moves like it wants to move. You know, like the, we saw, I think it was last week, um, Ethereum and Bitcoin are down, you know, 20 and 25% or 25 and 20% respectively. 
and NASDAQ makes an all-time high. Like it's, there is no, it it is off-putting in that it's like, wow, it's like nothing else, but it's super exciting because it's like, wow, this thing's like nothing else. I can, I can really diversify here and get access to something new, especially from a futures traders perspective. Like my whole thing that I like to tell people is like, I have no clue where Bitcoin is going to end the year. Because a lot of people will be like, oh, I, I made this chart and it, it says Bitcoin's going to be at 100,000. Great, dude. I have no clue where Bitcoin's going to be. But from a futures trader's perspective, what I love is that the thing moves $1,000 a day and I can get in. There. There's so much volatility to trade back and forth via that price action that we talked about. Now, the products are too large in the space. You know, Even the micro Bitcoin that the CME launched, too big. And so you'll start to see some really interesting stuff come out of the small exchange so that you can trade that greater volatility at a smaller clip size. It just needs to be until maybe it does start to look like gold in a decade from now, but it's not going to be here in 2021. Like you said, Carlos, it's so young. It's it's wild as hell and you need a smaller product to trade it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you clarified that because that's very important so that people can see really what what the differences are. Some people, you know, they have um, opinions that are not uh, actually in, in in relation with with the the reality of, of what goes on. So, what is your message today for our listeners in terms of when they approach futures and and um, all this world that you know so well, but to them, to some of them, they it's it's kind of a uh, an obscure but attractive world, I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, my message would be this. Slow down, take your time, and, and and really work to just like understand that when I buy a futures contract, I want it to go up. When I sell it, I want it to go down. And that's pretty much it. Like, don't kill yourself with, you know, oh, it's an agreement to buy or sell an asset at a specified quantity at a future day. Forget about all that agreement and contractual stuff. In the same way that when you learn options, you know, the first time you read that definition, it's like, whoa, this thing is not made for me. This is like yeah. some, it's, it's, they're talking about contracts and, and agreements here. Yeah. I'm, I'm not signing a contract or anything like that. Um, it's it's really simple stuff here because the only time when you get into maybe a little hairiness is if you take that future all the way through expiration and actually small exchange futures are all cash settled. So the, the product just concludes. You don't have, nothing happens after that expiration. Most people, when they trade futures, they have the intention of buying it and then selling it for a profit or selling it and then buying it back for a profit. That agreement thing almost never kicks in. It's a lot simpler. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, to the options traders out there, it's if you're buying a future, it's just like buying an at-the-money call, but without having to put up that premium and, and the exposure doesn't kind of move with dynamic deltas. And the same with if you're selling a future, it's the same as, as buying a put but yeah, once again, you don't have to put up the premium or anything like that. You're afforded the leverage and the uh, you know the different uh, derivative style exposure. But it's just it's very straight up. Every tick higher is going to be in your favor if you bought it, and every tick lower is going to be going against you in this futures world. I I, I always 
tell people to, you know, not work yourself up with all these crazy definitions and everything else. And I think we will get to this point, Carlos, where people are throwing around the idea of like, oh, I bought this futures, uh, I bought the October futures on crude oil at $70 and 50 cents. Like it's going to become so much more uh, just easy to grasp and easy to talk about in this retail uh, world, but it does take time to kind of, it will click in everyone's head uh, here listening today. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's just like buying or selling stock, but I have to put up uh, less money to do it. It's, it's, uh, it's really, really uh, simpler at the end of the day. The only thing I would caution is don't start in those big futures, big traditional uh, contract uh, world. Start with something really small, buy or sell it and just watch it tick up and down. Like I say, that that small two-year from the small exchange, um, it's got a margin of 70 bucks on an average day. It moves 10 to $20. If you buy it and it moves, you know, two, three, four pennies against you, that's two, three or $4. If it goes higher by that amount, it's two, three or $4 in your favor. You'll really start to get comfortable with like, Oh yeah, th- this is a really simple thing that's great for day trading and great for uh, you know potential returns on investment and everything else in the future. And uh, the only way that it gets scary with leverage and everything else is um, if if you use products that weren't designed for you. But at the small exchange, we like to think that we've designed uh, all of our products for that everyday uh, trader. For sure, that's uh, that's exactly what I've seen as I have watched you so many times and. Uh... To my listeners, I'd like to definitely encourage them to uh, check all the videos that you have done and the small change has available on YouTube and your website, Tasty Trade. Um, I've, you know, I've seen many of them. And um, you know, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You have to keep us updated. I'm very excited about these new products you are coming up with. And uh, you know, definitely uh, to our listeners, make sure, like I always uh, tell you to um, do your own diligence and uh, take it easy. And uh, thanks so much for, for all this uh, knowledge, because I know that they'll, um, many people will appreciate all the, all the guidance you've given us today. Absolutely, Carlos. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do this again soon when we have uh, even more products here. We'll have the crypto suite going and we'll maybe talk about some trading strategies with futures and everything else. But yeah, in the meantime, you can check out the Small Exchange YouTube channel. We have we upload stuff there five times a week. Um, the Small Exchange Twitter, we're you know sending out uh, different movements in the different products and educational stuff on a daily basis as well. And then I'm Frank Caberna, K-A-B-E-R-N-A on Twitter. And, um, oh, also just one last thing to plug. If you are getting started and you want some, you know, weekly, easy, digestible education and market commentary on futures, you can go to go.smallexchange.com slash L-I-T-E hyphen confirmation. You put your email address in there and we'll hit you once a week with some nice personalized education and market commentary. But uh, that, yeah, that's all the educational resources I got for you and your audience here, Carlos. Hopefully uh, people start to get more comfortable in futures and see all these benefits, man. It's an exciting world out there. For sure. Thanks so much, Frank. It was a pleasure. 